Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You're about to learn hyper-local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma City real estate market. Landon is a genuine, self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's top-rated by sites like Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, and Homes.com. He's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, property manager, and residential broker who's worked with clients from all over the globe to help achieve their real estate goals. Whether you live right here in the city or across the country, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Here is your host, Landon Witt, with this week's Daily Market Update. Welcome to episode 11 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. I must say, I'm pretty impressed we made it past 10 episodes. Good stuff. I didn't know how this was going to go, and it has really been explosive. You guys have responded awesome. I appreciate the feedback. Uh, the show is taking off. People are enjoying it. It's good stuff. And today on the show, Tiffany from Quarter Life Homes some of you may know her on Instagram as the flipper next door, a local flipper who's taken her passion and turned it into a business, uh, flipping old homes, old homes that really, really, really need to be flipped and turning them into pieces of art. Really well done. So she's coming up today. Uh, my name again, Landon Witt, license number 174, brokered by Metro First Realty. The market data today provided by Oakmar, that is the area MLS. Jumping into the week, last seven days, we had 167 homes go off the market. And that last seven days, that actually include, so it kind of sort of doesn't include the 31st. Some of the way our metric works doesn't quite capture that 31st. Sometimes when I do the show, I do it the day before this airs. So um, this one's a little weird. Um, it's the actual postings will probably be a little bit higher as they post when the market opens tomorrow. But 167 is our, our number of listings for the week. The average days on market was 11. That's actually up from last week. Last week was eight days on market average. Again, that's for the 10 square miles from Oklahoma City uh, center out 10 square miles. If you draw a circle, uh, a radius of, of 10 miles. We've got the uh, minimum, uh, or excuse me, the, the median uh, per square foot price list per square foot price was $92.09. The actual sale price was $90.64. We saw an anomaly last week where the per square foot price was actually higher closing than it was listing. This week, we've seen a return to the existing patterns of $92 a square foot and then dropping down to $90.64 90 $90 per square foot actual close price. So again, if your house is 1,000 square foot, you're looking at a $2,000 uh, price difference between listing and selling. So that give you an idea of what to look for. Now that doesn't include the concessions, which can be stuff like cl uh, closing costs paid by the seller for the buyer's closing cost. The um, Let's see, when we get to the average, the average was like $94 a square foot. So um, I there was a couple, um, in fact, one of them 
$319 a square foot. They kind of throw in our figures off. That was a brand new construction uh, downtown, uh, which that actually took 400 and. 30 days to build. That's interesting. Um, all right. So uh, moving on to the top listing or the listing that caught our eye here for the last seven days, um, this one under 500K, we're going to be going downtown, which is the lofts at Maywood Park. Maywood Park is a very urban designed um, loft condominiums uh, that offer um you you know buyers a feel that they can walk to the cox convention center they can walk to brecktown they get that real um meshed in into um the urban living uh well folks this is that this is that um kind of industrial look um this one is uh one northeast second street unit number 413 on the market for 475.9 this one um, again has kind of the industrial vent look going on and it's got the hard floor upgrade Uh, but I wanted to just bring this up because these um, lofts are just people are asking about this more and more they're coming from uh, the east coast a lot of them transferring with some of the jobs that I talk about in the news section of this uh, podcast and they're coming here and they're keep carrying with them the the love and the the desire to live in an urban downtown walkable property. I will tell you within the last year, I've had folks asking, you know, what's the walkable score, you know, which is a a metric that uh, some websites will rate the walkability, you know, how close are you to things like grocery stores and, and nightlife that you can actually walk to. So anyways, this address, you might want to take a look at it. One Northeast second street, that's MLS number eight, two, nine, seven, zero three. Also the HOA, just an idea of when you have a downtown loft, what these run, this one's $4,258 annually. That includes your exterior maintenance and your recreational facility, as well as um, your security camera maintenance. There's a community room, keyless entry, water, and your trash. So I'll give you a good idea there. Moving to the under 250, I've got a listing um, that's listed for 179, um, and it is, let me see if I can click the right screen here. By the way, I got a new iMac, and it has a amazing mouse. The smart mouse on this thing is really cool. It's almost like a trackpad and a mouse at the same time. But anyways, I digress. Let's not go on that rabbit trail. This property is... Um, located at 1926 West Park Place. This is like southwest of the plaza, uh, moving towards 10th Street, just north of 10th Street, east of Pennsylvania. That's an area that investors have been really trying to renovate and bring up. You got this crazy mix of like really, really, really beautiful homes and then really, really, really crappy homes right next to each other. So when you're getting involved in that as a buyer, um, just keep that in mind that those transition areas, it, it, you're kind of buying into what could be in the future. Um, and if you wanted to do that, boy, this one is pretty cool. Um, this one is like a, a craftsman style, and I want you to look at it because check out the way that the eave works on the front of this house. There is like this Asian kind of very architecturally pleasing 
you know, right angles that they've incorporated in here with a nice gray tone. And then the house is white. So it's the white on gray with a nice, almost like a turquoise door. And then there's no shutters on the windows. So it gives it this really bare, but yet mathematically pleasing, very centered and, and, and straight line that the sidewalk goes right into the middle there. Uh, just a cool-looking house. Um, that's 1926 West Park Place. Again, that link and all these links will be in the bottom in the descriptions. Um, if you're on iTunes, it might not be. We're trying to get that to syndicate over. Um, SoundCloud, it's there, and a few others. Stitcher, I think it's there. Um, so I might, I think what we're going to do now is have a blog on the OKC Real Estate Show uh, website that you'll be able to click each episode, and then they'll have a little blog there of all the information we talked about. MLS number is 827-552 on that one. Okay, moving to the news portion of this show. I've been talking about incredible stuff going on next to the Will Rogers Airport. Um, I haven't really talked about Will Rogers Airport. So in 2017, Will Rogers Airport, which for those that don't understand the area, Will Rogers is our only large airport in the city. Uh, It's a world airport, international airport, uh, capable of taking flights from everywhere. They've got um, a customs and immigration um, right there, um, so you can do the international flights. But after, in 2017, they set all-time traveler records, like most travelers they've ever had at that airport in one year, um, up more than 10% from the previous year. And that's actually right in line with when we've seen this market really start to explode. So from 2017 on. Anyways, they are sitting down to move forward on a $89 million expansion project. Um, They started the idea or the concept of that in 2015, but they finally this week, the OKC Airport Trust uh, votes on a resolution to endorse pursuing $115 million in revenue bonds, which will then help fund that five-year capital plan. So this is really good news because this is the the last portion of getting that started. So uh, airport spokesman Karen Carney um, told OKC Talk that this was in aid of the terminal project, which should start construction in early 2019. And this is gonna last approximately 30 months. Folks, we've been talking about $20 million expansions, another $17 million uh, expansion downtown, and now we have this massive undertaking at the airport. If you're in construction and you work in this town and you're licensed and you're a good employee, you're not going to have any problem keeping employed over the next five years for sure. So really excited about that for you. Moving to a little bit more exciting for the kids, new skate park. You were into skateboarding. I know we were. When we when I was in high school and middle school, uh, we skated a lot, especially in the fall. It's just perfect. You wear your hoodie and you go out skating. You spend a lot of time. You get yelled at uh, to leave people's businesses because you're messing up their curbs and putting wax all over their handrails. But uh, anyways, so this is a skate park on the Stars and Stripes Park which if you haven't been over there, that is right off of Portland. If you take like 63rd or Expressway, you 
catch Portland and then take Portland north, it'll, it'll dead in into Stars and Stripes Park. And in that park, they've been uh, excavating an area to put in a skate park. Well, this isn't just any skate park, right? This is the skate park from the same folks that designed the Matt Hoffman Skate Park in Wiley Post Park by the Oklahoma River. The Stars and Stripes facility, though, will have an impressive street course as well as a pool with 10,500 square feet designed for intermediate users and BMX riders. Uh, the perimeter will host a 45-foot-long, 3-foot-high bank that will house a 1-foot extension in the center to create a 6-foot quarter pipe. Along the perimeter, there will also be a flat ledge, a manual pad, roller, 15-foot, 9-inch flat rail, a bank with a rail, an A-frame, hipped bank, blah, blah, blah. For those that under don't understand skating, that's like a different language. But if you've got kids or friends or whoever that's into skating, dude, you're, you're going to want to head that direction. That's coming September. September is the deadline for the build on that to stay on target. So hopefully... I think the end of the September, uh, end of September, they're going to do the grand opening. So just in time for the fall skate season. So that's cool. With uh, none to do, Tiffany, flipper next door on the show, listen into this uh, interview where she talks a little bit about the real side of flipping. Interior designer, house flipper, getting involved in Oklahoma City. This is not on TV. This is real life, in person. The flipper next door. Okay, Tiffany Thomas, uh, thanks for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you sharing with us uh, your experience. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in Oklahoma City? Have you been in Oklahoma City your whole life? Uh, tell us kind of a little bit of backstory and then what you're currently working on now. Sure. Yes. Thank you, first of all, for having me on today. Um, yes, I'm from Oklahoma City, and I remember being a little girl. My mom was a real estate agent, and she would take me around to all of her showings, and I guess then I just kind of developed a love for real estate. I really just like seeing the old, the new, and everything in between, and how much design can have an impact on a buyer's reaction, and just, you know, kind of sitting back and taking that all in is what I did then, and then... Um, after I got married, my husband and I moved all around the country and lived in different places and just get, getting to see, you know, different types of architecture and different... We lived in the Northwest for a while and everything mm, there oh, was yeah. really old. Um, sure. and just kind of getting to see the old stuff with charm and character and we had lived in a really old house and um, just kind of seeing different parts of the country and how real estate differs in other areas um, just kind of made me enjoy it more and just, you know, wanting to learn everything I could. So I started getting real estate books and learning everything I possibly could and then trying to talk my husband into letting me start a renovation. And that was really the hardest part. Um, so I worked on that for honestly, probably like 10 years. I tried mm. to get him oh, to wow. jump on board. He's not quite as risky as I am, but, um, here we are now. I own a company called quarter life homes. Uh, we buy, renovate, and then sell real estate here in Oklahoma city. And then I also do some renovations for clients that, um, you know, maybe just purchased a house that's not quite what they want it to be yet. So we'll mm. help them get it there before they move in or help them with just a bathroom renovation or whatever they need. But um, I really just 
love taking something old and not that great and bringing it back to life and, you know, giving it a new purpose and all that good stuff. So, sure. Really so, when they, so when they come to you, you're doing, um, you know, are they providing the, the workers and all that? Or are they literally coming to you and saying, here's the project I want to do? You come up with the ideas, some design on it, and then connect them with the workers that would get it done. Is that right? Yeah, wow. I treat other people's properties just like I do with my own flips, basically. Yeah, so I'll um, do the subcontracting. I have a designer that I work with, and she and I are a team on our renovations for clients. Um, so we'll come up with the design, and however active the owner wants to be in the process is great if they want to come along and pick out tile and doorknobs and all that that's great or if they want us to handle it all that's fine too um so but yeah we'll bring all the contractors to the table and um, Mm -hmm. as much of the design as they want us to pretty much i think there's just so much uh, need for translation in this industry, right? So someone may have these ideas of this kitchen space or this light space that they want, or they, they just want more natural light in one area. And then you're able to translate that for them into, okay, here's what that actually is. Yes, you know, this is yes. Here's adding this, here's adding this. So I think that's really a value bringing proposition. Um, for those that, um, you know, maybe they're watching HDTV or Bravo, or they're maybe just getting into flipping from uh, an investment standpoint, maybe not so design-friendly, um, maybe shed a little bit of light on maybe the side of the shows they don't show, which is maybe the, the frustrating aspect. Right. Um, so what is that like? I mean, what, tell me some highs and lows that you've experienced in right. these flipping homes. Um, well, the highs are easy to talk about, so we'll save that. But, the, I mean... A million things can go wrong. I mean, as you can imagine, they don't always show, you know, when in a house that I recently have under contract that I'm selling at inspections, I learned that a brand new shower pan that I had just paid to have poured and a whole shower that had been completely remodeled and tiled, the shower pan was leaking and the contractor was nowhere to be found. So my brand new shower had to be completely ripped out and started over and the whole, I mean, and just the mess of all that and having to Mm. get, you know, more um, haul away. And I mean, it just, everything just is kind of a domino effect. It seems like... um, one little thing can turn into such a big ordeal. So, I mean, they never really show that stuff on the shows. They also never show holding costs if you mm, in, in their yes, equation. They never true. show the fact that you're having to pay for insurance. You're having to pay somebody to mow the yard, you know, once a week while you're doing the renovation. You're having to pay for all of your loan payments or whatever if you have mm-hmm. loans out. So Utilities, those are never factored. Yes, bill, yes. The all staging. Of that. Right, yeah. None of that's ever really factored in. So... Um, the stress. Yes, the stress is never. <laughs> so let's talk in. about that for a second because I I think that's kind of so as a realtor following somebody through a flip, and as they're calling for status updates or they're calling for whatever, there's that you know tone in their voice that changes after maybe twenty <laughs> days on market, yeah. you know, unsold. Talk to me a little bit about how you deal with that. Yes. So, um, so it it's super stressful, right? So it is. what is what is that like being in a flip and going? Oh, you know, are you constantly watching the numbers all the time, or do you kind of let your heart guide you when you're making these adjustments? Or you know, what what's really what? How do you get through that? Yeah, 
honestly, my husband is a numbers guy, and I think that's why he really doesn't have a whole lot to do with my business. Because really, if I did watch the numbers closely every single day, I may just put myself over the edge. I mean, really, I just do what I think is going to be best for the house. You know, even Mm. if I'm kind of in over my head a little bit, I would much rather have something on the market at the end of the day that really stands out, that's really great for going to, there's going to be a buyer walk in and just say, this is it. I love it. You know, I'd much rather have that feeling than to think I cut corners because I was a little over budget somewhere. And and I, I, I'd be the first to admit that's not the best strategy for a flipper, but I really just Mm -hmm. am in it more for making something old new again and just making it so great and seeing a family love it as much as I do, you know? Mm. Um, so I, I really kind of just let my heart be my guide and, um, sometimes that gets me in trouble, but I'm going to keep doing it that way because that's really the way I like it to be done. I was going to say there's, there's a, there's a trend in the market where flips are not always about making money. Mm -hmm. There's, there's almost an, an element to it of modifying the city one house at a time and modifying the culture. Um, I a hundred percent believe in the fact that a home can change the dynamics of a relationship as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, often we'll have a couple that maybe they don't, maybe they eat breakfast together a lot and they've never had a breakfast nook. You know, they've right. never had that little right. experience. And that adds an additional 15 or 20 minutes to their, their relationship every day uh-huh. that they didn't have before. So there's definitely uh, a, an importance to architecture. Uh, there was also a study that said that the, lo- the higher the ceiling, the more spatial mathematic thinking that somebody was. They did a lot of testing. Um, so if you want to have an intimate conversation, for example, you want the ceilings to be shallower or, or, or really? you know, closer to the, the, the roof or whatever. Uh, then if you're in a big open living room, living space, and it's got a higher ceiling, um, that's not the place to have an intimate, you know, something that's very serious. So um, if you, yeah, if you look at architectural design and, and the human body's response to it, um, the, mes- the, 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 um, Freemasons, you know, if you look at some of their history and stuff, they designed uh, places to make people smarter and not smarter Mm -hmm. and these kind of things. Uh, Like prisons are designed in a certain way. So I I do admire the work that you've done. I mean, I've looked through some of the houses and you really um, combine colors in a way that makes you feel a certain way. Um, so that's that's really cool. Um, how does that come together? I mean, is it just because you've been exposed to other houses in the past that have given you kind of inspiration? Or is there some type of guiding light that's inside of you? Um, you know, I kind of just look at each property whenever I start. And I just try to think, if I lived here, how would I want this? I feel like my real strength in doing this is more of the transforming the layout of of a house and that's sometimes the part that gets a little more expensive than I think a lot of flippers really you know uh, want to mess with like a cosmetic update is much simpler than having to change the master bathroom into a laundry room and switch those around or, mm. or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But I really that's where I really feel like my vision is helpful is taking a space and trying to change it up a little for best use, I guess, for a family or what I, you know, how it would work sure. best, best for used me. in today's society. Yes, yeah. exactly. A lot of these were best use for 1930. Right, you right, know? And yes. now it's what's best use for, yes. for 2018. Especially the older homes mm-hmm. often don't have like a, a 
a bathroom that's accessible to the living room. I don't, you know, or sure. something or, or like a that. Master bath, right? Together, and yeah. so it's just not really how we, you know, want to entertain today and things like mm-hmm. that. So um, I like solving those puzzles and making things work that way. Um, as far as the design and everything, I did my first few houses by myself, and I just kind of really put a lot of thought into every single decision, mm-hmm. and it was very mm-hmm. time consuming for me. Sure, and sure. Um, on my last few I've started working with the designer and she's joined mm-hmm. my team and so she and I collaborate and it's so much easier to have to go shopping to someone else and say what do you think about this and kind of bounce ideas back and forth sure um so it's kind of a joint effort now and it's worked out really really well I've learned that the more help I have the more I can do you know as mm-hmm. far as mm-hmm. growing my business and doing more than leverage, one house at a time your, and all that time. um so yeah it's kind of a just a collaboration and seeing letting each house kind of hmm. tell us the best so thing. when you when you you know kind of just as a nutshell for someone that maybe is just starting flipping mm-hmm. or, or just wants to get into it in fact I have a couple today that I'm meeting at 515 that's never flipped a home before that wants to meet and look um, and I think there's two sides of it one I think it's convincing him that hey listen we might make a little bit of money off yeah. this and then the other side is look how much fun we would have together doing this um, so Going into a project, when you're looking through a home, um, what makes you go, yes, this home is flippable, or no, this home is not? I mean, what's that, what's that, uh, how is that decision made for you? Probably the most important thing for me is just the area and looking at comps in the area and how quickly they're selling and how Mm -hmm. desirable of a location it is for people to want to live there. Um, I wouldn't say there's anything at this point as far as repairs that would scare me off from wanting to do a certain renovation. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as, you know, I can get it for a price that makes sense and it's in a good area, I'm all in. I just uh, want to take a look at it first. I'm, I, I am not yet one of those flippers that's confident enough to see something on the market and call and make an offer without ever seeing it. I really want to yeah, go and sure. do my due diligence and spend some time looking at it and running numbers and all that good stuff. And for that reason, I miss out on deals sometimes because there are, you know, other people that can call and just make that offer over the phone. But, sure, sure. Um, where and I there's right other now. people that go out of business every day. Yeah. Too. So <laughs> yes. that's, a, that's another thing. You know, if you don't win the bid, that's not always right. a, a, a bad, you know, bad thing. Right, for um, sure. So, yeah, you have to know your bottom line. You have to know what you can and cannot do. Um, I think that's neat, though, that you're taking these this very personal. Um, I, I want to encourage you that we have noticed that, you know, six months to a year later when the kind of the newness wears off, the true design of that house and to be able to fit that person's personality then starts to come about. So it's really that six month and one year mark when we follow back with that customer. It's like, you know, hey, how's everything going? You know, and that's usually about the time they're doing their home warming party because they, you know, they've been selling their other house or whatever. They're moving here. They're just exhausted. They finally get into their house. They finally get the curtains that they wanted, everything. And then about the six month mark is when they're calling saying, hey, we're going to do our housewarming party. And that's when you really start to see how they've made the house their own. Uh So that's a good feedback process. So um, anyways, but your gut is amazing, right? Uh, You've made some great choices. Um, So yeah, 
Um, other than that, um, anything you'd like to share with anybody who's maybe, um, you know, stuck in a situation where they've flipped a home, they haven't sold it yet, they're kind of nervous right now, they're listening to the show going, <laughs> Landon, you know, what's going on? Um, is it just one where you lose some deals and you just go on? I mean, have you have you lost any where you've said, man, that was just a bad decision and you've had to go of on course. from it? Of course, yeah. I mean, I try to always going into every deal have at least more than one exit strategy I mean my Mm -hmm. first on a flip is always to sell but Mm -hmm. um, if not I try to make the numbers so that I could refinance and keep the house as a rental if I absolutely had to Um, I haven't crossed that bridge yet but that would kind of be my only suggestion either just bite the bullet and lose a little bit of money for the you know long term gain just to get get rid of the property get it off your books or um, see if you can't refinance into something that makes sense and at least have a little bit of cash flow Mm. um, until, you know, the market in that particular neighborhood turns around or whatever, and then you can maybe sell it in a couple of years. But, um, yeah, I found found myself in a couple of rough situations. It doesn't always work out the way you want it to, but... Having those exit strategies, though, yeah, super important. Yes. Yeah, I think that is, uh, yeah, I actually feel a lot more comfortable working a deal with an investor that, or a flipper that no, that goes, hey, no problem, I'll rent it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll do an Airbnb sure. or something like right. that because you're absolutely right. We've got that 3.5% appreciation going on right now in uh-huh. the market just on average. So if you do those numbers, you know, 3.5%, okay, you just have to hold it for that time period and hope that you get a tenant that doesn't destroy the place and, right. yes. and really pick them wisely. But when your house is as incredible as the houses you've designed, you probably get no problem with tenants. I mean, they're, they're probably everybody's wanting to rent it. Well, so. yeah, I haven't had to do that yet. I've yeah, been good, successful good. on sales, but um, yeah, that's kind of always in my back pocket. I think that you know it's something I could easily turn to if I had to. But um, so best so. moment, you you said you know let's share the lows first. So what's best what's moment. what's one of the best moments or one of the top moments of of your home flipping uh, where you just felt like this is cool? This yeah, is just, this well, is it. I mean. So many, really. I just, I honestly wholeheartedly love every step of the process. If it's, you know, moving in the right direction and progressing, probably my favorite is see like the last couple of weeks of every renovation when I see all the details that I've, you know, spent so much time picking out finally come together and the backsplash brings the countertops together with the wall color. And, you know, it just really, um, just all kind of comes together and is what what mm. I had hoped that it was. You know, those are always good moments. But of course, so does the GC call you and just say, "Okay, come on by, we got it done," or do you kind of just stumble in as this is happening? Yeah, what does that look like? Do no. you wait, or do you are you there every day? Oh yeah, or? I'm kind of the GC. Okay, I, so you're I like on out. it every day, yeah. And then as they're doing I'll the project, there. you're you're going right. Oh wow, that color looks great. Or do yes. you say, "No, no, no, that color's terrible." Like back a little out. bit of both. Like, yeah, like let's Sometimes do this. Sometimes both, or okay. I mean, it, you know, in my well, I sometimes have to have things redone if they weren't done quite as well as we had hoped or whatever. But sure. um, just, yeah, I'm there pretty much every day just to kind of stay on top of it. But even then, you know, I'll come in in the mornings and like flooring day, I, you know, you have to stay out of the house if they're laying down floors. So I'll sure. come in and it's like, oh my goodness, it's just as good <laughs> as I'd hoped. You know, it's really exciting. But do you do any work yourself or? Sometimes, you... yeah. Okay. I, um, less now than I did at first, but mm-hmm. I mean, at first I did a lot of the tiling myself and, um, painting, of course. I mean, whatever I could to, 
speed things up a little bit. Wherever I felt like we were lagging behind, mm-hmm. I mean, I would kind of jump in wherever I had to. But and that's to that's to avoid the holding cost, right? Right. That we talked about before the For interest. For sure. And, yes. And what typically is your window that you've got to hit? What are you What are you looking for? Three months time frame? Yeah, yeah three mm-hmm. to four months. Yeah, three to four months total from acquisition right. to on the market. Yeah, I like it to be on the market in three months, and then hopefully sold in around four. Um, is kind of what I shoot for. Nice. Don't always hit that, yep. but that's kind of yep. the goal. <laughs> cool. So, all right. Well, anything else you want to add? No, I don't think so. Thanks for having great, me. Great, great. Um, so tell our listeners how to get a hold of you if they're interested in your services. How can they sure. find you? Uh, Tiffany Thomas. I'm uh, on Instagram at the Flipper Next Door, and then my website is quarterlifehomes.com. Excellent. We're going to put that down below in the description. Uh, you guys check her out. She's really doing some cool stuff. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you.